0: To another blur Lines. Quick blur Lines this week. Um, it's just me, Cameron, your lead co-host, and I got with me...
1: Uh, yeah, this is Josh. What's good?
0: <laughs> Welcome back, Josh. How you doing?
1: Chilling, man. Chilling. Just recuperating from uh, the, the, the coconut festivities that are uh, Labor Day weekend. Tell me what that
0: life is like, brother. <laughs> I don't even know what that is about <laughs>
1: anymore. Um, give give mean, me the Cliff Notes version. I mean, the Cliff Notes version is typically... From about Wednesday or Thursday till till Monday um, in New York, uh, Labor Day is celebrated uh, by Caribbean people as sort of, uh, I mean, it's it's still literal Labor Day because don't nobody work like Caribbean people. But at the same time, you know, we've designated that weekend to uh, celebrate Caribbean pride. So uh, the, the short version, it started out at Harlem in the 60s, I want to say and it grew to be where a lot of uh, uh, Caribbean people first immigrated and then it just grew too big like it was nowhere uptown that could handle it and so it moved uh, moved down to uh, Eastern Parkway in Brooklyn and that's where it's been for uh, about 40 50 years at this point somewhere there about oh wow Um, that is
0: crazy some of the videos you sent me I was like That is nuts. Everybody, you can hear my daughter, Sage, in the background. If you hear a Uh, co-hostess with the the mostest. Yeah. Sage likes to join me from the pot from time to time. And she wants me to unlock the iPad so she can play with the camera and put it on shutter speed.
1: But yeah, it's been, um, you know, uh, it's been it's been something that's that's happened. For the better part of about 50 years, maybe more at this point. I might be losing count. Um, Wait, how deep does it get over here? Millions. 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 Yes. The parade itself is millions of people. From it runs from Crown Heights all the way to the museum. Yeah. With the Crown Heights all the way down to the museum. Yeah. So, if you've ever been to if you've ever been on Eastern Parkway, uh, both sides of Eastern Parkway from the main island all the way through to the sidewalk near uh, near the main near the main uh, thoroughfare traffic is all people from the, yeah yeah from from the beginning of crown heights down towards uh the brooklyn museum wait hold on air prospect park
0: and this is all happening in one day one day <sighs> <laughs> Cleanup is
1: gonna be crazy. Oh yeah, but so shout out to New York sanitation. They kind of have it down before it gets dark, or by the time it gets dark, Eastern Parkway is open for business again for bad. traffic. Bad, bad, bad. They have, at this point, they have it down, and it's just you know street sweepers and actual physical people with brooms, sort of shoveling stuff off either into the gutters or you know onto uh onto passing sanitation trucks, but. And, you know, they, they, they're they quick. Within like an hour or two, Eastern Park is open for traffic again.
0: You know what's crazy? Uh, it's kind of the same, but when I was in uh, Barcelona uh, years back, mm. I was out there, I just happened to be out there for a general strike. Okay. And for those who are unfamiliar with a general strike, it seems like the natives were just unhappy with the wages and what was going on in that region. And I have never... No, I'm lying. I have been in one riot at that time prior to that escalation, and it was the LA riots, right? And so fast forward to uh, the general strike, it looked like something you would see on the BBC or CNN, chaos, Molotov cocktails being thrown, police presence everywhere, uh, the, the uh, protesters uh, or revolutionaries. We're out there forcing people to close their stores and not open. Um, and so what had happened was that all went crazy for one day, right? Mm-hmm. The next day, I woke up the next morning after all that chaos. It started off with a mild march, and, and it, went, it escalated to, like, I don't want to say fire bombings, but it got a little crazy. So. Um, wow. What happened was after all that happened, the next morning, there was no evidence of a, a, a general strike on the street to be found. Jeez. Sanitation department did their thing. Like it literally looked like it was just a wild night of just partying and debauchery on a normal, you know, summer Barcelona night. Right. But <laughs> unbeknownst, if you had, didn't look at the news and you just came there the next day, you mm-hmm. uh, you would have thought it was just chill, and not knowing that it was chaos that previous day.
1: Wow. Yeah. Yeah, that's nuts. But I mean, you know, that's a credit to you know people outside of America. They don't play when it comes to certain things. They don't play when it comes to wages. They don't play when it comes to like you know social services and what have you. It, they don't play them games. Like, yo, know, I might, and you have to factor in the amount of taxes that people pay in Europe in general is usually bananas compared to what we as much as we complain you know they pay a pretty sizable chunk of their their income goes to uh, goes to public services so you know if you're not getting what you're supposed to be getting and I'm you know shoveling all this money into into the economy and I'm not getting anything back whatever that thing is that I'm supposed to be getting you're not going to have people you're not going to have happy people and they're going to make it known yeah, sorry, I was coughing. Uh, yeah, no, no doubt. I mean,
0: it, it's crazy how, you know, I'm not going to get too political, but just how like <laughs> one of the few things that our society does manage well is just like you know stuff like sanitation, making sure the streets are clean and whatnot, and getting our know, act together outside of everything else that we have uh nuanced complaints about but he neither here nor there it's just reminding when you said the streets are clean after a one day festival what millions of people out there and yep. these day, it's clean as a whistle per se or it just has the perception that the city takes care of itself or stuff like that. They're mm-hmm. prepped it, it's amazing. You know what I'm saying? So but I mean that's like a a small like hmm that's very interesting that we do that, you know? So mm-hmm. we can't have total chaos. No. All good, all good. But anyway, uh, I was going to say we are going to take a little uh, detour from the regular blur, blur lines uh, topics of discussion. I know a lot of people tune into our our podcast for you know the latest news on uh, media, games, what's going on in the film industry. We do a lot of we follow a lot of Marvel, DC, kind of, what kind of comic nerds, you know at at, at heart. We like just watch a lot of Star Trek, Star Wars, blah blah. blah. This time we're going to take a little little detour and talk about kind of what we saw in the sports world today and uh, I saw um, our new champion, I, I'm going to say black women have been holding down the tennis realm for a long time, but we have a new champion And Coco Guff, shout out to her uh, tennis world was lit a fire uh, this weekend it was a lot, a lot of things going on um, in the world there was a lot of controversy about what does a world champion mean a few weeks back by I think it was a sprinter and he had made a comment about <clears throat> how NBA champions call themselves the world champions. But he said they're not the champions of the world, uh, which is funny because the 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 FIBA team did lose to Canada for the third place. But I thought that
1: was hysterical on the heels of that conversation.
0: We can get into that. We can get into that as well. And so... Uh, those are like the two things that came up, and you mentioned something about Djokovic. You want to start us off there?
1: Yeah, yeah. So literally, as we're recording, not minutes ago, uh, Novak Djokovic just beat uh, Daniil Medvedev for his 24th U.S. for his 24th Grand Slam title, uh, and I believe his fourth or sorry, fifth U.S. Open uh, U.S. Open title overall which is, well, the 24 is unprecedented. Um, I think uh, there, there was a woman in the 60s or 70s uh, who was the last person to pull it off. Uh, Serena chased it for a little while, wasn't able to pull it off before she retired. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's a major accomplishment. man, man or woman, uh, winning your 24th Grand Slam is just bananas, uh, especially in the world of competition that we have today. Like it's not that's no easy feat. Wait, who is Djokovic's rival now? Uh, you know, uh, uh, that's tough to say. I don't know that anybody really. I, it used to be like the, the Nadals and Federers of the world, but he's kind of
0: they're kind of they're way past their prime. So,
1: well, they're way past their prime, and I think he's figured out how he's figured out the matrix in terms of how to beat those guys.
0: Like yeah, what is it? Nadal, just play, don't play on clay. <laughs> so, <laughs> basically, yeah.
1: Um, but yeah, I don't think anybody, But like, I don't think he really, I don't think there's anybody out there. Medvedev might be because Medvedev beat him. Uh, oh, well, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I remember saying it wasn't a big deal. Yeah, Medvedev beat him for a U.S. Open title, if I'm not mistaken, the year the year before last. So, maybe, Medvedev, you know,
0: so. What I was going to say was because, you know, in, in the in this sport, usually when we when the, the the tennis greats achieve greatness on these records, they usually have a rival. But for some reason, I don't feel like none of the, the top people have rivals. Not that it knocks anything, because whatever they're doing and these records they're hitting is hard, you know, hitting the ground won't yeah. it matter. It's just it's a hard thing to accomplish, you know, so. For sure.
1: um. um. From what I see, I think because there's a because there's a changing of the guard happening, at least, you know, I'm not an avid avid tennis. My mom watches way more tennis than I do. But my observation is I think there's a changing of the guard happening. And so when you have a changing of the guard, you don't necessarily have those, you know, um, uh, you know, on par playing against a peer. Type rivalries you have like the young bucks coming up, um, you know who are uh, who are sort of challenging for the top spot. But I don't think there are any. So at this point, I don't think that there are any like hardcore rivalries like that. Um, I think the 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 woman who Coco Gauff beat, uh, Sabalenka. She if she can excuse me if she can get out of her head, like once she. Once she starts making mistakes, she kind of gets down on herself. And I think if she can figure out the mental portion of the game, that would be an interesting rivalry. Because Coco is just like storming storming the castle right now.
0: You know, what, what, what was the, the one girl before her that was making headwaves when she beat Serena, was it uh, uh, Naomi? Naomi?
1: Naomi Osaka was another one. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Kind of came, but then she just had a kid. So yeah, she took time off to, to to have a kid. So yeah, but she was there. She was she was in the stands for a couple of matches. So
0: she was in yeah. the stands, and and the fact that also, too, she had mentioned about the pressures and stress, uh, and taking a break,
1: um, which is real. You know, I feel like I feel like I feel like the sporting the, the sports spectating public give gave her a lot of a lot of slack for that for some reason. Mm. It's like, yo, if I need a moment, I need a moment. Yeah. Like it's not, I mean, you know, you can make the argument that, you know, younger, uh, the younger generation is softer and, you know, they're not made of the same. Listen, you know, tools are available. I think we've raised subsequent generations to sort of be in touch with their feelings and sort of speak whenever they whenever they have something going on. You can't have it both ways you can't train these kids to be a little bit more in touch with their emotion and then you know let them have it when they're when getting in touch with their emotions means all right you know what i need a second you know so you know i I don't i don't take anything away from naomi osaka doing that no
0: look i'm not a pro athlete of any measure but i do compete at certain levels at sports and i do jujitsu and like there is some type of pressure you put on yourself or the pressure of sponsors or whatever it may be you know it's we're humans you know at the end of the day a a lot of people from the outside looking in in saying oh you can just play this game it's child's kids game Mm -hmm. and you get paid menus just go out there and perform well it ain't as simple as that and i'm speaking from more of a micro
1: level you know i'm on a big stage like they are well that and you know what you and you put it perfectly that you're not on the stage that they're on, so the stakes are radically different. You know, you have people that you're responsible to. You have, you know, your your ability to be able to be sponsored in some cases is dependent on your ability to rack up a certain number of wins. So, you know, if if Coco Golf wasn't 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 bringing it home every time, she wouldn't be on no New Balance commercials. You know,
0: know. Be, like, she's the face of New Balance, right?
1: Yes, she's one of, yeah.
0: One of, excuse me, one of the faces of New Balance.
1: Yeah.
2: So, mm-hmm. you know,
1: you can you can you can talk all the talk you want to, but at the end of the day, I don't think people really are clued, especially because tennis is not as popular as like an NBA or an NFL. You're not really clued into what's required of these athletes to do what they do and perform at the level that they need to. You know, we're we're very clued in on all the background pressures of NBA players and, you know, as much as one can be um, an NFL player. So, you know, we know the contract, the tr- contracts are baked in with uh, with with performance incentives, you know, make it to the playoffs. What place you make it into the playoffs, how far you go in the playoffs, like all of that. All of that is. I mean, at the end of the day, it's pressure throughout the season to perform to get to point A and then there's incentive to get to B, C and D. So you know we're aware of as one can as much as one can be, we're aware of what what's required. But uh, we don't know what what these dudes you know what what uh, tennis players are are dealing with on a on a back end, on the back end of, uh, uh, of of playing tennis. Like we have no clue. Mm-hmm. So you know if she needs a second, go back to the original point. You know if Naomi needs a second, let her take it. Like she you know again you can't have it both ways. You can't you can't. Put these kids more in touch with their feelings and then deny them what they feel they need in order to be able to function once they do, once they are more in touch with their feelings. So, you know, it's fun. If that's what she needs, that's what she needs. I don't think it makes her if anything, I think it makes her smarter and her career is probably going to last a lot longer as a result.
0: We, we will hope it lasts a lot longer because again the outside forces and the pressures of maybe sponsorship to go out there and perform, win, show up, and you know, she has, she's a mom now, mm-hmm. family, family person per se. And if she does resume her career, uh, there, there are certain expectations of a pro athlete, obviously, you know, she has to uh, qualify rank, blah, 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 blah. But I was going to say on the flip side, there is one person uh, that I follow that feels like he's having fun and gives no Shit's about anything is that dude Gail Uh Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, that yeah. Dude, that
0: dude is fun to watch. Uh, yeah. One of my favorite guys to take a peek at when he's playing because he's got a lot of quote unquote swag. Brings a lot of uh, of him to the to the courts, uh, and uh, I just enjoy watching him play. Uh, and he's a brother, so I'm I'm a support. You know what I'm saying? So,
1: sure. Uh, another cat that's uh, on the rise. Uh, as of this weekend, is Ben Shelton, young brother, same deal. Like he mm-hmm. plays, he plays like he's having fun. Like he just, you know, I mean, it crumbled a little bit when he came up against the number one seed in Novak Djokovic. And he got, I wouldn't say he got handled, but I think he just waited a little too long to turn it on. I think he was just nervous and he's never made it this far before. And I think, you know, the game sort of just caught up to him. But plus, plus that, Djokovic,
0: man, he's a juggernaut. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. And he will find a way to beat you. Like this match that that just ended. Like the dude who, who he who's who, he was, who he was playing had a solid strategy. It just didn't work. But like, he just wanted to outlast him. He he made every every point, every match, every set in that in uh in, sorry every every uh every point and every set, every game, every set. Excuse me. Um, in this game, drag out. And he basically tried to outlast him. And it looked for a while like he was succeeding. And then, you know, the thing that I keep with Novak Djokovic that has made him a champion is he always finds another gear no matter what. He always, always finds another gear. So, you know, I mean, but yeah, Ben Shelton, that, that kid, he's serving like 149 mile per hour serves. this haymakers. The kid's just, just, he's like, I think 6'4". And just, just gigantic. The kid's just just no joke.
0: Wait, so, how old is he? You keep calling him a kid. How old is this guy? He, I, th- I think he's 19. Oh, he still is a kid. Okay. Yeah, yeah. he's a kid. kid. Yeah, they so, are, no, are no small tennis players. <laughs> like, rare, you know? Right. Um. I also want, Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear I, I also wanted to bring up... Track and field is back.
1: Oh, yes, sir. Well, back back flies, it was gone. I've been an avid track and field follower. No,
0: I follow, but like it hasn't, I don't want to stay on this topic too much, but I I just remember track and field was, especially back in the 80s and early 90s, was like must see TV, summer games, the whole family, the the family dynamic was sit there and watch America, it was one of the few times where <laughs> black folks be rooting <laughs> for yeah, yeah. for for the United States in terms of uh, pride and citizenship and whatnot. But like we would always tune in to see the, the Carl Lewis's, the Flojo's, the, right, the Michael, uh, Johnson's, yeah. Michael Johnson's and whatnot, because we was dominant. And the Jamaicans was right behind us. And occasionally you have a Jamaican, you know, do his thing until for my recollection was um your boy, the fastest man on the planet. Oh, uh, Usain
2: Bolt.
0: Usain boat, right? And he just he was like, All right, we just who, who fighting for second, right? And yeah. then the, the women came out of note. well, they didn't come out of nowhere. there, they was killing. And the women was dominant, so Jamaica had it locked down. And then shari Richardson, Shakari Richardson, excuse Shikari me. Shakari Richardson, yeah. Shikari Richardson came on the scene, was killing, then had the little mishap, and then bounced back. Having seen her bounce back, the the women's national team beat the Jamaicans, like on you know, just straight out beat them, right? Mm-hmm. A lot of people tuning in. Like I've been tuning in, but I've seen the the populace start tuning in. I think it's dope. Uh and I'm, I'm kind of glad that track and field is kind of <laughs> kind of taking the main stage for the last mm-hmm. couple of months. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Where in my opinion, back in the day. And now maybe I'm from the outside. Maybe I'm just not peeping the, the everything else. Because like I said, you watch, I know there's people who pay attention. I loosely pay attention, but I'm not tied in. Like I used to be, you know, but it seems like it's kind of on the, it's been on the tip of everybody's tongue lately. For and sure. I, I found that as a, uh, not only intriguing, but like dope to see, man. Cause it's awesome when you get, you Black folks get together and we just we rooting for whoever black in the summer games, but we rooting oh. for us. However, we do root for the Jamaicans on a certain scale, they just been kicking our butt. So it's kind of like, man, like,
2: right, it's a love, hate, love relationship.
0: Yeah. Love, hey, love relationship. So it's always funny when the Jamaicans lose, it's like they shocked. I'm like, well, welcome to what we was feeling for like the last 20 years. Y'all was kicking our ass.
1: So basically, I mean, it's it's fun, it's funny because. The way the Jamaican thing sort of played out was there was one there was one runner who basically I don't know if you remember Merlene Addy.
0: Yep, Yeah.
1: So her story is kind of wild, because basically what was happening was she would get a wild card and basically bump out somebody who actually qualified. And so a lot of the, the Shelley Ann Frazier's that you see nowadays uh, from Jamaica were getting bumped back. And she was taking years off of people's, uh, off of people's Olympic careers, and not meddling. And so the country would just keep get, keep putting her on, keep putting her on, keep putting her on, and you know giving her the 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 the, the sort of the 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 what like it's the equivalent of a wild card. I forget exactly what they call it. Exception. There we go. They gave her an exception uh, for years, and eventually they stopped, and she beefed. And the 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 Jamaican Olympic Committee was pretty much saying the same thing uh, everybody else was saying. Like, why are you blocking these very capable young ladies that are ready to come behind you and you not meddling? And so. Bruh, wait, did she compete to like she was in her 50s? Yes, she did. Wow. Uh, she, late, late 40s or early 50s. I'm struggling to remember now. But, you know, so what she did was she left Jamaica. When I, I I don't remember if she was already married to a Swedish dude, but either she was already married to a Swedish dude or married the Swedish dude after the fact and started running for so she started getting an exception in Sweden because not even no it's not taking anything away from anybody because Sweden runners are long distance runners generally not sprinters so they were just happy to have somebody in the category. She and found a loophole, basically. And so, so, yeah, if you're married to somebody and you're a citizen of XYZ country, there's no reason for you not to be able to represent. So she goes and represents Sweden because she still wants to run. And that was the year that the Ann's and all the other women who are now regularly representing and breaking records for Jamaica came up and those girls lit that woman on fire. It was terrible
0: they needed to do that man that was wild yo professor d
1: yo What's i am i am here into the building from the back door
0: glad to have you make it with us
1: uh
0: i didn't think he was gonna make it so we
2: just keep it short and sweet but welcome aboard welcome aboard brother thank you and I didn't think I would make it either, but I'm glad that you guys were able to get on and talk about some stuff. Sound like you were in the middle of a engaging uh football conversation, uh, um, no,
0: actually, track and field. Uh, so oh, track okay. and field. So, we we uh we had kind of touched on why well, probably the fact that track and field is kind of taking the uh, it's been taking a back seat since the USA wasn't as prominent, but people still pay attention, but it, it wasn't like it was in the eighties and early nineties where it was like primetime TV. Right. You know, we, we definitely came home to watch our track and field stars go at it. Right. And I've said recently, I've seen the, the, the noise kind of rise a little bit with Shikari Richardson, uh, ups and ebbs and flows of being the, the new it to kind of being out and then back on it. And then the, she's beating the Jamaicans who've been dominant for like 20 years. And like one of the few times where you see black folks have a sense of American pride <laughs> and mm-hmm. stars and stripes and whatnot. Uh, and so it's it's been kind of cool to see. Um, and I, for one, being a f- former track athlete, uh, love to see this, you know, uh, it's one of the few I don't want to say forgotten sports. What are the sports that just doesn't get talked enough on mainstream stages? We always talk about the four major sports groups on talk shows and whatnot, but you know we only talk we only pay attention to the track and field through the summer games, you know, because that's when it's highlighted the most at the Olympics or Pan Pan Af- pan American Pan Af- no pan uh what do you call it? The pan I want I want to say Pan Am, but that sounds like an airline. Uh but there's a I think it's Pan Pan, pan American, American
1: there's games the world, yeah. there's the world, there's the world game. there's Pan, there's so many right yeah. like, there's uh Empire State games which is basically all of New York colliding yeah
0: so um, track and field is year round but we only pay attention to the Olympics right you know yeah. so or when 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 the, trip over the, it
1: Yeah. yeah uh, Rose oh, oh. Is another one like there's a there's about there's a lot of big events I mean I only know them because my brother ran and uh could have potentially gone um professional so I was there a lot of those or what, you know, paying attention because he would tell me that they were coming on. Um, But yeah, like track and field is, is, is a much overlooked sport. And I think they treat it the same way they treat the WNBA. Like, you know, if we put ad dollars behind this thing, nobody's, you know, it's going to be wasted money because nobody's going to watch. And that's, I don't want to, I don't, I don't think that's accurate. I think they just need to, we need to promote it more the same way now. Like, you know, TNT has invested tons of dough in soccer in uh, broadcasting US soccer like they don't care who they're playing they're going to broadcast a US soccer game you know so it's it's i think if you approach it the same way you're going to get the same results but
2: you know what do i know i only work in television <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe but also and I know very little about it. I have track and field. I wasn't an athlete, but I, I know my hat come from a family full of athletes. And, um, you know, I think the, the thing with track and field is that it could cultivate that in the mainstream, but um, you have to change the, the sort of way that people think about it. And I don't think it's, it's just the promotion as much as people who are the, the number of people who are devout sports fans are into all kinds of competitive or athletic exhibition are the ones that would be the main market. And they don't always translate into a mainstream, uh, larger audience because it's, it's, even though sports is very popular, it's still niche. I mean, I'm not saying it couldn't work. I'm just saying that it will probably be an uphill battle, regardless. Uh, outside of those seasons that you guys mentioned, the uh, the the Olympic games, uh, just because it's not, you know, you can't, you're not going to have it's individuals. So you, you know, it's it's. I guess you have the team and everything, but I don't know. I just don't imagine that having a main a play in the mainstream. Soccer, yeah. Uh, soccer or football, yes, but not. And even, even that is going to have its... <laughs> it's still uphill battle. I mean, MLS has been around for how long now? MLS yeah.
0: has
1: been around for
2: about 20 some odd years?
0: Well, I mean, MLS has been around... Well, the MLS as an entity been around uh, for about 20 years, but we've had our own soccer league because we right. brought Pele over, right? And yeah, you know, people, people say yeah. people said we didn't. If Pele couldn't do it, no one can do it. I always have, and I'm not gonna go too in depth to this, but I always felt like uh, we don't have a LeBron James of soccer or Michael Jordan right. of soccer yet. We don't right. have the the culture like overseas does. Like that's soccer is the biggest sport worldwide. I've seen this with my own eyes, but we don't celebrated or supported or like cultivate our youth to go in that direction. It's always baseball, football, basketball, hockey, et cetera, et cetera. But soccer's like, oh, that's what you play in high school. And so I don't, in my opinion, I don't feel like if we had one of those type of players that was homegrown or like was built here and then they went overseas but comes home, plays in the MLS is at their peak, because we always get the the past their prime players that come over, which is cool. Like I definitely like to see Messi. Or you know, cacao whoever. But like, I want to get him when they're in they in their, like twenties. You know what I'm saying? Like not yeah, in right. it, later yeah. thirty. So I always feel like if we ever had one of those type of players that we cultivated ourselves and 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 brought up, and he was killing for the world cup and then come home, comes back and he plays for like uh Portland or something. You're like, dude, this is crazy. We got like one of the best playing for our own league, you know, maybe, maybe it had changed. Maybe not. I don't know. But that's yeah, I think, I thinking. think,
2: I think so. I, I mean, I just, I think it's, it's more of the, the inherent ethnocentric uh, attitude that you dealing with mm-hmm. in America uh, because mm-hmm. Um Americans refuse to even call it football. You know, to Americans it's so- it's soccer. And um they America Americana takes pride in American football. And that's why no matter what American football, what happens in that in that sport, it's still considered the the grand jewel, that and baseball, because those are are American grown and America has kind of had those stars for that, for those and basketball too, you know, you look at basketball. Yeah. There are stars that come from the international circuit, but they're, they're still looked at as not as Big a player or as skillful as some of them, you know. Obviously, you have the exceptions, but they're they're still taking a back seat to the American. So I think it's just the American Americanism that that keeps other things from being popular. But I agree. I think if we had that. But he, it would have to be hidden on all of those cylinders that you named. It would have to fire on every single one of those for Americans to, to really pay attention, to mm-hmm. really start saying, yes, I'm going to invest watching uh, 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 football games or soccer games, uh, uh, matches or whatever. You know, it's interesting that this is a topic because yesterday I had an opportunity to attend um, uh, one of the St. Louis uh uh, matches, uh, home matches. And, uh, I didn't refuse. I didn't refuse because I didn't want to go. I actually did want to go, but it, I had, there was something else happening at the time. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's just interesting that, cause I said to my friend, I was like, man, I, this whole time I kept thinking that that has is in development. I didn't even think about that. Maybe they started playing already. It just it just didn't occur to me, and it didn't occur to me to even look look for it. So, and I and I admit that that's the way that I prior prioritize football or soccer. Soccer.
0: No, right? look, yes. we can say football because we have a fundamental understanding of what football is. It's funny when you say we call it soccer, but overseas, I, I got being an American and I went to World Cup, and one of the. Uh, People from a different country who was following. I think it was, they were from Belgium, and they was like, "Oh, you guys call it soccer? My bad." You know, he was like, "He was like football." yeah, oh, like, hey, I'm, I'm with it. And so I'm it's football. a it's a
2: big thing. I yeah. remember when I was in Europe, and and they were they would say f- football, but then immediately realized, oh, they're talking to American soccer is what I'm talking about. And I'm they, like, they they try to double down. Yeah, they tried yeah. to double down
0: for me, but I was like, no, nah, I follow the sport. I'm with it. I get it. So when I it depends where I'm at. If I'm in
2: America, I'll just say soccer. I'm yeah. with my friends who follow the sport, I'll say
0: football. You
2: yeah. Know? I mean football makes more sense for soccer than football yes. for American football. Yes. How many times in that game in American football does the the Someone's game come down to someone kicking or using their foot? And mm-hmm. I hate
0: and I hate kickers.
2: So, <laughs> right. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's like the smallest aspect of American football, but and yet Americans at large get kind of bent out of shape when they have to refer to real football as soccer. So, <laughs> weird.
0: Before I segue <laughs> into that, but it's, it's just funny. Sorry, how we categorize things and try to make it simplified. That goes into a whole different nuanced conversations about. Race, gender, all that other stuff. It's just funny how, when we look at, we we set on soccer, mm-hmm. but we can't accept that it's it's really football, and we do that with a lot of things in life really? in America.
2: Well, that speaks to the the larger problem of undereducation in this country, and the 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 teaching of patriotism and nationalism um, in favor of of teaching that the world is a one big, um, mystery. Like there's so much to learn from other places and other, and other cultures. Yes. They, they call it football because the game, the whole game is actually played and and depends upon people using their feet (laughs) to kick a ball. So hence football. (laughs) people to to the
1: point that we were making earlier about building a star around it you know how is i was already sort of halfway digging them just because samuel eto was a beast and somewhere in the middle of eto's career here comes this argentinian 16 year old from their from barcelona's academy who was supposed to be they bring this kid on and dude just makes short work of grown professional men who've been playing the sport for, for years. They try to knock them over. They try to trip them. They try to foul them. And, and here is Leo Messi at 16 years old, making these grown men who've been playing the game for years look like idiots, you know, uh, same deal with Manchester United, how I came to be, I was, I was a generalist. I liked football in general, but you know, how I came to Manchester United was is a dude named Dwight York, who happens to be where my family from where my family's from in Trinidad. And so, you know, he, he makes it to the pros in England. And I forget what team he started. I think it was Sunderland he started playing. And then uh sorry Alex Ferguson makes the trade for this dude and at the same time brings up Beckham, King Giggs, uh, whatchamacallit. Um the the whole that whole class of players who that whole class of players who um who who basically made Manchester United what it was. So, you know, for me, it, like you were saying, it's the it's it's the youth component it's the start of all of those things.
2: Yeah, that's a that was i I'm glad you brought that up. That's another big thing is that how young overseas and in other places they start those players that would never happen in america
0: child labor laws and all this other stuff that
2: would never happen in america they used now in the 90s in the 80s maybe maybe you could get away with it because as i was explaining to other cam uh that you know uh there was a joke about the wrestler matt hardy and his his wife had He sent me this video. Cam sent me this video. It's like the wrestler Matt Hardy's wife was saying is one of those POV things where she was like her husband was uh, uh, in sold out performing in front of sold out arenas when she was in uh, grade school. And I was like, that's interesting, but that's a little deceptive in their case, because those guys used to probably illegally wrestle on Monday night raw when they were like 14 years old. And, and they, cause they started wrestling in 94 and they were still in high school. Um, But (laughs) just to say if back then they tried to create uh, uh, a, a football star, um, you know, they probably could have started them when they were like 14, 15 and nobody would have cared. But now, (laughs) (laughs) Now it's like everybody's going to they just drop the whole dime on as soon as there's like a 16 year old and they find out they're playing for an MLS team is going to be a big old thing.
0: We we get an uproar when <laughs> when we got uh what was it one pitcher that played for the Dominican Republic and he was like thirty <laughs> he was posing. At oh like...
2: yeah, um, I forgot that <laughs> He played for the Dodgers, right? Is this a guy that played for the Dodgers?
0: No, no, no. It was a uh, the, the little little league World Series, and it's always funny. <laughs> when there's some dominant pitcher and you're like, all right, let me see how old he really is, you know, on the flip yeah. side. So we always have a, we get bent out of shape on how age and age requirements and whatnot, or, you know, if, if they're too young, you like they don't want, obviously in the football, it's a grown man sport, but man, to be honest, man, some of these kids look like Gladiators, uh, and physically they look ready for the NFL, but there's a whole mental aspect of being prepared for that lifestyle and whatnot. And you're a kid, and you forget, you're like, oh, these are kids, you know what I'm saying? You wonder why they get in trouble. So there's a whole nuanced conversation about that. But we make
2: a big thing out of adolescence, but in truth, adolescence is like a 20th century concept in -hmm. terms of like when a a child is considered an adult versus when they're not, or whatever. Um, that's something that emerged in the in the 20th century in terms of like marking it. Oh, it's at 16 is when you're should be ready to get a driver's license. And I think that's just, you know, the conspiracy theorist in me is like <clears throat> thinks that that's just an, a reason to keep older people in power um and, and have them not want to hand off the reins to the next generation. Uh, mm-hmm. Because uh, in truth, you know, there's this thing like you can't be run for president until you're 35. And yet all the presidents have been either geriatrics or, or knocking that. Yeah, man, um,
0: everybody looks like Palpatine.
2: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and they especially look like him after his fight with uh with Mace Windu after a couple years in that office. <laughs>
0: Side note, there, there is your blur lines geek thing of the, the, the pod. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: But before, um, you know, I want to segue a little bit out of the the topic of um, of um, soccer because there's two things I wanted to bring up. One, um, I finished this book called the Gone the Gone World, which I I had told you guys I was reading. Um, mm-hmm. It's one of it's one of probably the best stories that I've read that involves time travel and that didn't absolutely make me want to pull my the few hairs I have on my head out. Um, <laughs> it was, it's, it's a really well done, hard science. It reminds, it's like if Robert Heinlein and HP Lovecraft, with who I don't like, he's a racist POS, but, or he was, he's passed away. <laughs> almost a century now but i was like uh, he, ch- he changed <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly no 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 i just mean it doesn't matter anymore he's dead long dead but uh <laughs> but um it's like the story is very much like a robert Heinlein meets hp lovecraft in that it it really takes that science that really hard science and turns it into something um dreadful and terrifying in terms of space and time travel and all that um, without going too deep into it is basically set in 1997 and the character, the main, the protagonist is investigating the deaths of this family who the one, the father was a, a, a member of the Navy. And there's this covert uh, organization in the NCIS that basically um, has created a space, and time travel program called either deep time or deep waters. Deep time is when they go to a possible future from the point where they are. They can't go to the past, but they can go to a possible future. and do investigations. And basically the whole thing is that they're trying, there's this event that occurs at some point in the future of humanity called the Terminus. The Terminus is literally when humanity ends, you know, end of the line. Um, and it's not a good ending. It's a very brutal, eternally damned ending kind of thing, but it's tied to science. It's, it has something to do with a type of radiation. I won't go too far into it, but um, basically... The whole thing is that in the middle of this investigation, they're trying to move, go to these different points in the future, these probable futures to figure out different parts of the investigation. Um, And each time they the each time they're going forward, they realize that the terminus has moved up closer. So at first it was 100 years from from where they from 1997. By the end of the book, it's like literally in 1997 when it when it happens. Yeah, it's a really well done book. It's written by Tom Swelterlich. Swelterlich, Uh, that's a mouthful. But um, I, it was recommended to me by a coworker, and um, I sat down, and it's a page turner. I couldn't stop reading it. It it reminded me of um, also of the Southern Reach trilogy, which is uh, most people will know that by the movie Annihilation. Very, very good science. Um, So I picked up his another book he wrote called Tomorrow and Tomorrow, and so I'm looking forward to that. This one is about, I believe, a dystopian society. Basically, the main character lives in a Pittsburgh that's in ruins, and the only the the whole society is just a wash. It's destroyed, civilization's fallen, but they have this thing called the archive, the archival which is a VR thing where you can like the matrix where you can enter into this archive of the past and kind of experience reality that way, because everything in the real world is shit. Um, So that leads this guy on this whole mystery of trying to figure out some intriguing I think murder something in the the story, but looking forward to reading that one. But yeah, I'd highly recommend The Gone World. Tom Swelterlitz. um, I think he published it a few years ago. Uh, Excellent book. Excellent science fiction. Okay.
0: So I got to get a few things off my chest. Yeah. uh, So I listened to the previous podcast because I wasn't a part, but I wanted to peep it. And uh, two things have come up time travel and your affinity for time travel lately uh this is a, a record it hasn't because, changed though no 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 but I'm saying there's <laughs> see I, I I like to bring hope and you giving me hope <laughs> for someone who hates time travel as much as I do because of how they people writers can always screw it up especially in well it's usually you know, lazy too but, so but it's always lazy. usually incredibly lazy but to hear you say of all people, Say I this is back to back two things you like that deals with time travel, and I'm like, Wow, okay. If
2: uh, to the to the listeners of, what was the of, other thing? It was Star Trek. I you see, okay, so <laughs> all right, count, it, count count it as one thing okay. in the gone world. Star Trek is that's more of a sentimental thing. I give them a sli- I, I let them okay. slide. Okay, okay. That yeah. that one it's it wasn't done bad but it's star trek they're always doing time travel so i just sometimes if it's just done okay and i'm not annoyed i let them slide but the I, gone but world is that, the one that's
0: still that, a win though
2: in, in in your case i guess so in my world yeah, yeah. that's a win yeah but yeah, star
1: trek is terrible <laughs> where where time travel is concerned a they overuse it and b they don't approach it from the standpoint of once you've traveled to either the future or the past, that point in time that you've now traveled to becomes your new you, because the perspective is supposed to be you. It's supposed to be oriented around you, the individual. And so wherever you travel to is new. And I don't think they, I don't think I've ever seen in what 60 years of, of Trek at this point, I don't think I've ever seen them approach time travel from anything other than you know from the old standard of you know if you travel to the past and you change something in the past you've now changed the future so when you go back to the future which you're not supposed to be able to like it's all it's all very muddled and very
2: uh, uh it, it, i think it's, they rely it's, a lot on the on the grandfather paradox and the and yes. the uh the um, butterfly effect and, and, and those are the worst and, in concepts of time travel well, not only that, but I think there, it's mired in
1: very old science. Because I think at one point that was a, a way that you considered how time travel worked. And that was considered to be the, you know, probably in the 80s or 90s, that was considered to be the way that time travel operated. And, you know, the more time passes and the more research that's done and, you know, science uncovers new things and new ways of looking at things you know, uh, you realize, oh, yeah, no, no, it's it's purely based on your perspective. And no matter where you travel to, that is now because you are because because you've now moved from point A to point B, that is now your new present. It's always going to be your new present, no matter where you no matter where what you travel to, whether it's future or past, uh, future, present, past, future. It's still your present.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And um, and I think those concepts, it's not that they were they were the established time travel or whatever um, theories. It's just that they cause they never really align with quantum the laws of quantum mechanics, right? So you mm-hmm. can't even unless quantum theory was was only discovered after the, the the 80s, then most likely back then a scientist would have said the exact same thing that there's no way that a situation like the butterfly effect or a a paradox is possible outside of fiction, because Mm -hmm. in most cases it's, um, I think, (laughs) I think it, it was Walt in better call Saul who had the best description of it. He, um, I think it was Saul asked him if he had a time machine, what would he do different? And Walt says to him, he's like, first of all, That's what you're talking about. It violates all the laws of quantum mechanics, known laws of quantum mechanics. He's like, Mm -hmm. you're really just talking about regret. So if you have something that you regret, just say it. And that's true. If you think about HG Wells, story, the time machine, why does he build a time machine in the first place to go back and save his his woman from being killed at the moment that that happens? A regret. But in most cases, when you're looking at time travel, like in the case of the Gone World, each time they went. So 1997 was called terra firma, meaning that that's the established point for which this traveler is sort of tethered to. So they the can. Right. And comes back. Yeah. And comes back to. But in every situation, there's an echo creator, meaning there are multiple depending on where, which part of, and it's hard to describe scientifically, but there are tears in the membrane of what we consider reality. And because of that, there can be certain quantum loops or quantum holes that are created that allows one individual from one reality to enter in the same one as as, as you. And it's not that one person is prime or the other person is prime is that these are literal or almost uh, the manifestations of probabilities. So if there is an incident where one of the characters sees another version of themselves and before it's explained, They just think that they think that someone brought that person to this time, this reality. But in truth, there was, again, a tear in the in the reality, in a specific point, which allowed those people to cross into each other's reality. But they're all a result of the choices not made or made lining it up to the multiverse theory, which is each choice we make or do not make branches off into its own separate universe its own separate timeline. So I always make the joke that there's somewhere, there's a universe somewhere in which I'm a military scientist. <laughs> it, and it's probably true. And I only say that because at some point I considered a career in the military. Only difference is I made the choice not to, but it, in if there if that is true, if fiction or otherwise, then yeah, there are several branches of reality in which I existed. None of them will be impacted if I move forward in time because I just create a whole new reality.
0: Well, you know, the funny part about this is that I'm still stuck on the statement that time travel deals with regret most of the time when we see it. And now I'm going to be looking at that. Anything with time travel with that aspect in mind and see if that alters my opinion and good or bad and how I view things uh, it's
1: especially, oh, fiction, definitely,
2: yeah, yeah, because yeah, I think it's at the bottom line. People in most fiction, the reason that the characters are traveling through time is to change something, and that's either something that even in Endgame, the whole mission was, 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 was press was uh built on regret the regret that they didn't do a better job at stopping Thanos, and so time travel allows them to change that in a certain way. They did it in a better way in which they weren't actually changing the reality as much as borrowing from other timelines in order to do something in this reality. So that is why I'm not annoyed with Endgame. but it's, it's those kind of time travel stories that at least puts effort into getting you to think about quantum physics or quantum mechanics, as opposed to just, you know, like, Tony Stark bringing up, bringing up the, the Dirksha, uh, uh, problem and, uh, all, all those, these different theories that actually exist about if we are able or were able to generate power, enough power to propel us forward in time. Um, you know, what would that be like? Most of the time it's going to be people being turned into mush, but, but, but you know, fiction makes us think that that, that 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 won't be the case
0: very romanticized uh what's the word idea I guess um yeah and when we face it's the reality of it doesn't sell it's boring so
1: yeah well, and if you, the, if you if you test it against even light science you know you won't have too many situations where most science fiction holds up because they're very well you know i I, I think I personally give uh Star Trek a pass just because things have been around since the 60s and I don't think they're gonna change things like how time travel works based on you know based on new new discoveries because you know you open up you're opening up this can of continuity worms that I'm sure they don't want to screw around with I'm sure there's a way to do it but you probably are opening up more uh, more cans of multiple cans of worms uh, going against what they established as the way that it works. And, you know, at this point, it's kind of understood that they don't really engage hard science in that way. So, you know, it's fine. I don't think it's a, uh, it, could they do better? Probably. But, you know, I, 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 get why they haven't really advanced that aspect of science and science fiction,
2: uh, well, no, nah, I mean it just depends on again the story with Star Trek. Like you said, it's not it's not reaching for that. They just they just did it to have it simply as as best that a general audience can understand. You know, obviously the science people in the audience is like bullshit, but at the same time they're they're probably among the Trekkies. Probably a smaller uh, uh, group of people. Um, it's funny because. In Veep, one of uh, in Veep, one of the the jokes was uh the the after they lose the White House, the chief of staff and the, the uh the senior analysts are uh, they meet each other at they they uh run into each other at a publishing company, and the one guy is like uh I'm trying to sell an adult a team a t- uh, YA a novel about an alternate reality where big guys are always win and are the most, are the most attractive. And, and then the other guys, like uh, alternate timelines are a crutch for lazy sci-fi, e.g. Star Trek, with the exception wow. of Deep Space Nine. Wait. Okay, so hold on.
0: Let me ask you guys this. You guys are a little bit more versed in Star Trek than I am. Is it widely accepted by people who love or follow Star Trek to accept this the uh fallacy of of time travel and how they have how the show has approached it have you have most star trek fans were like i know it's bs but i'm just going to allow it because it's yeah. been around for such a long time uh, and why don't we do this for other shows
2: well star trek that honestly and you know i brought the beat thing up just as because it it's always it always makes me laugh when i think about star trek because it's true but at the same time um, Star Trek does other science things really well. And um, mm-hmm. a lot of the other science is very well thought out and, and well done in a in a way that translates to fantasy fiction without it being so much so fantastical that it's hard to believe like Star Wars or that there's no expl no, no actual scientific explanation to it. It just happens or it doesn't. Fall within the laws of physics. Star Trek focuses on the laws of physics. It start, they they bring up quantum mechanics and all that stuff. All that stuff is um is definitely embedded in the non time travel uh, stories. And even the time travel stories try to add some nuanced discussion about time travel. Again, it's there are things that are annoying about it because. At times, it, it feels lazy, but for the most part, they keep it They keep it uh, consistently uh, reaching for at least to be, to be. I would say, 80% science accurate. So they've earned yeah. a lot of equity.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. A, a lot of I'd equity. I'd say so, yeah. definitely. I mean, my yeah. experience is slightly different when it comes to time travel. I think it's probably a 50-50 split. You'll catch... You know, some Star Trek nerd spouting how time travel works in uh, in the Star Trek universe and spouting it as as gospel. Because um, a lot of a lot of what I found is a lot of Trek nerds are exclusively start science. For, as far as science fiction goes, they're exclusively Trek nerd. They're they're exclusively Star Trek nerds and don't really engage a lot of others. So again, this is like about fifty percent of them. Uh, don't engage and uh, don't engage other stuff that uh, might push harder science. Um, and so they think they, because there's so much in the press about people being inspired to work for NASA or become astronauts uh, by way of Star Trek and uh, you know, just, the, the, you know, the, there's all this press about how they employ consultants and all this other junk, you know, and it's, it's Star Trek is based on real science. Yeah, sometimes, <laughs> most of the time, like like can't like uh, like D was saying, probably about eighty percent of the time, seventy five to eighty. Yeah, percent It's accurate. It's yeah, um, it's definitely it, accurate. It's, yeah, and I think they take liberties where hard science may get in the way of a story, or like I was saying before, yeah. there's an established canon that says science works. This particular bit of science works this way. Um, and so it's convenient for the story. It's convenient for it's convenient for providing consistency in how stories are told from a scientific perspective. And, you know, at the, at the end of the day, it is it's not hard. It's not like um, like the book that Dee was just talking about, where, you know, a lot of uh, it seems like all of what that book espouses is deeply based in in hard science or the oh Expans, yeah. Another show that's deeply based in hard science.
2: Yeah, the Expanse um, is is very much uh the best example of that's where I was a get TV to. series that does hard science. And the yeah. reason I say that is because the narrative the narrative is built around that hard science. They can't the difference between Star Trek and the Expanse is that the Expanse is written as a novel to have a beginning, middle, and end, whereas Star Trek Is more of an ongoing thing where it's like, you know, we'll have these arcs of stories, but do you need to know this art to enjoy this art? Maybe not, you know. And so uh, with yeah, with the expands, it focuses on uh, all of these concepts and they build the narrative around that as opposed of trying to figure out how to put the how to make the science work for the fantasy.
0: So so I, I was literally thinking of the expanse and how much of that is prevalent to this conversation. But my other question is, is the expanse one of the best examples of how they incorporate real science and, and they do it well and implement a story that doesn't be as abrasive to the people who really know science or have an idea of science? Like I mentioned Star Trek and you say it's about 80 percent, but you guys allow it. It's earned a lot of equity. It's had a, it's been consistent in how the way it's it tells a story. It doesn't go above and beyond its means. And it's not yeah. obtrusive. It, and it's
2: mature. I think that's, mature, that's, yeah. that's what helps is that we're looking at adult characters who are handling adult situations as opposed to being childish or something stupid.
0: Yeah. I mean, if you ask me... Uh, 10 years ago, maybe what's the best example of time travel? I'm going to say back to the future just because it's just a nostalgic thing, but it's terrible. Right. Uh, but, you know, I look at things like the expanse. I mean, even Endgame, for for all its fallacy has some semblance of telling a good story with time travel, but I do find it very lazy to cover up some plot holes and whatnot, but that's neither here nor there. But I, my question is to you guys is what is one of the better examples <laughs> excluding the expansion Star Trek that tells a good story of time travel using real science and not going above beyond its means of like breaking the rules and going haywire with lazy storytelling. Like I, I think of things like Interstellar, you know.
2: Oh, yeah. Interstellar is a good example. In fact, I would say Interstellar is probably one of the best film examples in which yep. the concept of time travel is present, but not in the way that is traditionally presented. You know, you have, because theoretically you can't, you, the belief is if there's enough power to create a wormhole or a singularity that that could allow for time travel. The problem is can the human form survive that trip? Mm -hmm. You know, um, both mentally and, and physically. Both mentally and physically. And so, what you see in Interstellar is he, that happens. He he is pulled into a black hole, a singularity, or not a singularity, but a black hole, and he f- finds the what's called the, I guess the the fourth dimension, you know, uh, where what like i like to say the visual representation of how time probably works right everything is happening all at once there is no tomorrow to or 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 today or or you, it, it's all happening at once we just perceive reality linear but like it's like ships on a river they're all there but one you can't you know, reach across and touch that river, and sometimes it might just be pa- that that ship just might be passing you by. That's what Interstellar presented, and that's why I liked I liked that as well, as opposed to in in the Gone World, that's present too, where you, you realize the characters realize that it's not just one line or a few lines; it's all these things. Anything that's possible is happening. Any decision that you that you didn't that you made one way, you made it another way and a whole nother reality. That's whole that's that's where the deja vu comes in and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, I think Interstellar, I don't know any other example that off the top of my head that's that I would call intelligent and using that uses hard science. Yep, I'm inclined
1: to agree. Um the, the the scene in particular, well, first of all, how long it took to get to where they were going. One, but then two, um uh you know, um once uh this guy's character breaks that fourth that that fourth dimension wall, he starts to experience time like like, like D'Angelo pointed out, and I thought was a genius move, experiencing time unfolding things that he'd already seen his daughter uh reaching into the bookcase um you know her growing older he wasn't there for it but he's still witnessing it and he's witnessing it from you know i thought it was an interesting uh plot point to have his pov or at least chunks of his pov be from from behind that same bookcase i thought that was a really interesting uh visual tool To sort of orient the viewer and root them in, okay, this is the place where this thing is happening. But note that the kid's getting older and she found the watch and, you know, she's pulling out books from that from that bookcase. And each time she pulls out a book or finds something in the
2: bookcase, she's much older Um, and it's out of order. And also he's there. Exactly. And he's there. He's there in both spaces at both Mm -hmm. because right before he's the one reason she looks at the brief, the bookshelf. But he's about to enter that other part of him is or the other version of him is about to enter that room with her. Mm -hmm. And because that scene happened early in the movie where she was they were trying to figure out what was going on right there. And. It ends up turning out that, again, it's all happening at once. He's in that space. But the visualization of that was good as well, because you don't have any any gods or any any aliens. It's just this is a this is the physical space. This is the membrane. This is the matter in which you can see all these different realities that have been created based on um. Uh, decisions and choices that these sentients are making all in this universe, all in this, this space, space and time continuum. You,
0: you know what is it, when we break the whole aspect of everything happening all at once, it doesn't matter how much technology or how well-written a story is. You will never simulate the true feeling of that in a movie no, you know, you know, what I'm saying it's just like even though we're telling a movie, and we can break the rules and kind of get you in that perspective. You'll never really feel what it feels like if having everything happen all at once and being cognizant of it. And Interstellar yeah, think, does a, a good job of trying to get you as close to that as possible.
2: Yeah, and I think um, Nolan's scale, use of scale and scale and scope in that in that scene is also frightening on the on the on the the big screen because I couldn't imagine being suspended in that without in in that space and seeing all of that and not just be overwhelmed and probably just drop dead from thought, <laughs> from my thoughts right, alone. Right. It, would, it, yeah. it would definitely
1: fry your fry every sense that you have to be able to, to have the memory of experiencing said thing, but then watching it from the, uh, from from another POV, all over again, and then witnessing events that you haven't seen before, and having all of that happen out of order, because your brain is going to try to make linear sense of it, not realizing probably for a while <laughs> that you that you're that you're watching these things out of order, and to yep. be yep. able to process that in yep. in your linear in your linear tra- linearly trained brain probably would fry you. Um, yeah. yeah, And I think they do, you know, they, and so I forget what movie it was, but there's some movie where, uh, they engage in time travel and it's sort of like a mishmash between, uh, Star Trek, go back in the past, change things and then come back to the, to the present and things are different, uh, and a version of the interstellar thing where it's sort of, uh, you you sort of experience things out of order. And the guy, I I wish I could remember what it was, but, um, one of the, the, the guy, the guy who's guiding this new person, uh, who's never time traveled before, said, so "You got to have a totem. You got to have a thing that tethers you to your original timeline. Otherwise, you're gonna go insane." And
2: so that's,
0: not, that's have- not Nolan's movie, is it? Because when you say totem, no. that, that's what but, it takes but was you it. Back. I
1: don't think
2: uh, it's, not, it's not Tenet, right? That's not Tenet. No, not, Tenet no, no, was no, more no, entropy. No, no, no than not Tenet. It was.
0: the one before that with jo- Jordan uh, Inception. Inception. No,
1: it's not Inception. No, it's not Inception.
0: Was it Inception? Well, when you speak of totem, that is yes, the first thing. That, that's,
1: that is exactly what I'm thinking about, actually. It was Inception. Yeah. Inception, wasn't time, Inception travel. wasn't time travel.
2: Yeah. But there was a bit of, of that, to your point, involved because the the way time works in the dream space is different than right. in reality, whereas this is how Cobb and, and um, Soto spent 70 years in, in the, uh, I forget what they called it, um, Limbo and seventy mm-hmm. years in limbo, right. uh, which was only a few moments on past on that plane. Yes, so it definitely um, was Yes, yeah, yeah, and and going back to the everything all at once, the other part of that in our our linear minds with with Fry is the fact that you would also be in you would also see all the probabilities, meaning you might be looking at something that could happen. Not necessary based on a decision, and then several mm-hmm. other things that could also happen based on that same moment, that nexus point in your life. So overwhelming is an understatement of being <laughs> being in that situation. I don't think what? any human being could survive it. The brain Hold is on, not designed to it. handle that kind of information
1: in that order.
0: So let me pause this. So when we think of like you know this, when you said the many possibilities of what could happen, it reminds me of a video game. Uh, Ragnarok and the Fates and, or it just God of War and you talk about Fates in Greek mythology and they give you, and a lot of movies do this where they give you oh, this is going to happen but they don't explain to you it's one of many possibilities that can happen Right,
2: and there, because and there, and it's and all reader, based on the choices yeah.
0: Yes, it's based on choices and the reader or the viewer goes in and say, well, if they do this, this is going to happen not necessarily because there's so many little nuances that the director does not tell you, or you don't find out until later, based on yeah. the decision that was done, and then you find understand the whole concept. But well, because we've seen this trope before, we start to have a familiarity of what, and we see it. it's like, okay, we understand. It could be some possible things that could happen. You know, same. It's happening in Loki, you know, in the multiverse and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, Yeah. Certain things one one action causes a reaction. You do this, this is gonna happen. If you do this, this is gonna happen.
2: Yeah, it's a it's a chain because you're not you don't exist in reality by yourself, right? So even though we think the certain decisions that we make for ourselves only impact us, that's not true. Right now, I'm not saying that one decision to use the bathroom or not use the bathroom at that time is gonna destroy the world. Um but depends on what you're doing in the bathroom. it depends on who you are <laughs> that's true it definitely depends but it what depends on eat? who but did you eat before you went to the bathroom exactly well one of the things one of that's <laughs> hilarious one of the things in uh, the gone world that i liked was that the the main character she went to one possible future 2015 2016 and one of the characters that she knew in 97, she saw him, the older version of him. Uh, uh, he remembered her. He's like, oh, man, you don't look like you aged a single day. Like, what are you doing for you? Obviously, she came from, from but she couldn't tell him that. And so right, right. Um, he and so what ends up happening is just to make the, the long story short. In that reality, the two of them hook up. They become. Uh, real uh, like lovers and the, during the time where she spends there, but she knows that's immaterial because as soon as she leaves that reality in her mind, she thinks it's going to blink out of existence um, because it's only a possible future. It's not. She's going to go back to 97 in which none of these things, none of the decisions that were made to bring them to that point have happened yet. Right. Mm. So so in one reality, she's uh, they're they lovers. They're they're together. Um, he helps her out. But there's something weird about him that she can't put her finger on based on uh, things that happened to him in, over his FBI career. She mm. goes uh, goes back. And then she comes forward to a, to that same year again. Things have changed. Now he's still in the FBI. And the thing that happened to him happened to someone else. And, and so on. And so mm-hmm. now she's like, man. And then so they're like, she can't even apply any feelings that she had for him and that other possible future to this version. Because this version is totally different. Right? Like, right. It's, it's totally different. And so that was fun for me reading that because... As an active reader, I'm sort of looking at the the clues that the the author is leaving about the decisions that one decision that would turn him this way versus the one that would turn him that way. And it was at it was the same point. He just made a different decision in both in both uh, realities and they led him to different directions. One, he's like a bomb living in the woods and the other, he's like top dog at the FBI. Uh, I, not necessarily
1: time travel related per se, but uh, Foundation, which I'm loving as I watch this show.
0: Wait, that's on Apple TV, right?
1: Yeah, it is. Uh-huh.
0: Um, I gotta sign up for a free trial,
1: bro. You, I mean, they give you three months. You can you can bang out that show in three, and Ted Lasso in three months. Um, I,
0: I like how you throw Ted Lasso in there.
1: <laughs> okay, man, this is that. those those are the thing that. So Ted Lasso, Silo. And Foundation are the three things I'm like. These are phenomenal shows. It's not even like this was cool. All right, I'm gonna just bust the three, the three month trial, and then you know I'll be done with. It. Like I really dug Ted Lasso in a way that I was not prepared for. Uh, Silo, same deal. It starts out a little slow, but gets moving really quick, and before you know it, you tear through that entire series. Foundation is hitting me the same way. There's something about Apple TV shows that. It, it, it D, D and I were talking about this the other day uh, just a quick aside um, it seems like they're shooting for quality over quantity like they're not they don't have I don't think they're shooting to have the, the number of shows and movies that a Netflix or a Hulu has but the shows and, and, and movies that they do have so far like I almost am starting to feel like I could blindfold myself point to something and just watch it and it'll be good like mm. They're not, They. they they're, I don't want to say they're no fails. I'm sure it's probably something I won't like. I wouldn't put that pressure on anything, but I gotta tell you, like they're really just firing on all cylinders. And so foundation being one of those things uh, foundation uh, D and I talked about this uh, a couple weeks ago when I first started watching it foundation is less about, it doesn't really have a time travel element per se so much as the passage of time happens in a very particular way there are people are characters that are put in stasis. And so life sort of just passes them by. And, um, but the one thing that does, that, that does happen is, uh, they talk about predicting the future, uh, and not necessarily by way of prophecy or, you know, someone travels to the future and then comes back and says, Hey man, you know, if you buy Apple stock in 1983, you're going to be a millionaire by the time you get to 2023. You know, it's not one of those. Um, It's It's the
2: actual way you can predict the future with math. (laughs) Yes. Everything,
1: Asimov posits that everything is possible if you utilize math the way, if you utilize math and sort of twist it towards the direction of the thing that you want to to discover. So if you want to predict the future, use math. Math will tell you everything. And so you find that over jeez I think it's at this point it's like 1400 years from the point of the first episode um, everything that's supposed to happen with the exception of a couple of outlier events that didn't re- that sort of muddy the equation um, the, the things happen exactly the way that they've been mathematically predicted the outliers uh, sort of Intervene and interlope, and you know they turn left instead of right. And when you recalculate the math based on what that outlier has now done, you are now able to re predict a new set of outcomes. And that's really the whole show. It's about predicting mathematically with with a certain level of mathematic pre- mathematic precision, being able to predict specific outcomes, and those outcomes pretty much happened the way that the main character is like, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not going to get into how he appears 1400 years in the future. He's not quite alive, but I won't get into how he appears later on in the future, but there's a line of characters who basically clone themselves, and so they retain the knowledge of the previous version of their clone. So 1400 years in the future, uh, this clone and the version of the guy who created the way to predict the future meet up. And he's like, yo, I've been right all this time. Y'all you y'all, y'all denied what I was telling you. And I've been with, the, with a couple of exceptions because you can't predict what people will do to mathematic precision always. But for the most part, I'm I've an been, I've been on point and you've been wrong. So, you know, you might want to give me a little little leeway, a little credit here. I'm going to tell you what happens after that or who says what. But I got to tell you, it's 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 a really impressive show and it's a credit to the genius of Isaac Asimov, who is the author of the foundation book that the show is based on. And
2: which I'm going to read before I watch that show.
1: uh, I'm I I think after this season, I might have to do it with you because and and that is a testament.
2: Oh, after this season, I'll probably be on book five if there is a book.
1: (laughs) The last time the last time some a a show that was based on a book, two books that made me two shows that made me double back and go read the books. The Walking Dead
2: was one and the other one was Game of Thrones. And one was a waste of time and the other one, I'm, not sure. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm joking. No, I'm saying, I'm saying, I was two. just joking guess, about season two of, uh, of Walking Dead when it was still a viable show. Oh, I don't want to get into I don't want to open that can of worms and then start chopping up. We both agree that that show
1: is trash. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yeah. So
0: so, so, Josh, the, the way yeah. you're hyping this up is on par with how you hyped the The Expanse?
1: Um, I haven't watched all of it yet to be able to say that it's on par with The Expanse, but it's up. It's way up there, bro.
0: Well, I'm just saying you didn't watch all The Expanse when you told me and convincingly told me to watch this because Thomas Jane was in it
1: and I was like, bruh. So,
2: (laughs) yeah, I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think that (laughs) that
1: continues to make me laugh. I'm
0: I'm not, I'm I'm not saying it's The Expanse. I'm just saying the level of hype.
1: Yeah, he's saying not all time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Foundation is way up there.
2: I don't know if it's top five.
0: I'm not, I'm not comparing. No, no, no. I'm he's not, not, he's saying not saying that. I'm he's not saying. saying is oh. it? Is it?
2: He's gauging it the level of. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you, yeah. you, you don't
0: like this. This is eerily similar to Expanse Talk. When yes. you talked to oh. me offline There's and was no like, he
1: was There's like, no "I need to watch talk. this." There's so, no question. You should watch that show.
0: Okay, that's all I need to hear. Because if this is good, if I watch this season or one, mm-hmm. how many seasons so far?
1: Uh, I think they're in the middle. of They're coming towards the end of season two. I think next week is the finale.
0: Do I want to read the
2: books or do I want
0: to watch the show first?
1: The
2: books, the books aren't are that long. Pretty, are they not? No, not. They it depends on which version you get. There is a collected version that has all. I think there's like between 3 and maybe 5 books that, that Asimov wrote published for the Foundation. I know there's okay. at least 3. I know there's at least 3, but the the books, I have them each individually. They're about this thick each in, the, oh. in each each book. Okay. I probably Asimov doesn't even I Robot wasn't isn't that long. No, I don't long. That movie is totally off the fucking uh, mark with oh, iRobot. No, come on, like, yeah, that's not it, even its like not even—it's not even close to being what, except for a few, the names of the the scientists or whatever. Okay,
0: not, all right. So I'm I, I'm gonna make a commitment. I'm gonna read Foundation.
1: I'm going to read it too. I don't know if I can wait long enough for them to put out another. Another season of the show before I start reading the books. No, I'm it's gonna. Well, we,
2: let Let's just have
0: a, 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 a handshake agreement. We're just gonna read. It
2: and we're gonna Oh, read definitely. It, well, it's, a, I think it's worth doing both anyway because the at the end of the day, the adaptation is the adaptation. As we've yeah. said many times on this show, on our pod, like, we don't judge them as one thing. You no. know, Foundation Apple TV series is one thing versus the novels that were published and written by sir isaac asimov there yeah. so you can i think it's worth exploring both if you can find the time so i'm just particular about reading the the books first because obviously that's where it all started so is he um, sir i'm pretty sure isaac asimov was knighted um <laughs> i can't i gotta confirm that but I'm, I'm not sure he's uh nope, they don't have they don't have him listed as sir. Okay, so maybe I'm thinking, thinking of I'm thinking of um not Isaac Asimov. I was thinking of uh Sir uh Arthur Clark. <laughs> ah okay. Pretty yeah, sure he's Arthur Asimov is American so yeah. Well, well there's American. been Americans that have uh have been knighted before. There's there's some Americans that have been there, there
0: there's a joke in there, but I'm uh,
1: that's gonna get yeah, me not, off yeah. the air. <laughs> <laughs> let's not do that.
0: Uh, kick me off the air. But ear, yeah, though.
1: but Asimov being one of the one of the godfathers of modern day science fiction, along along the lines of uh of a Frank Herbert and, and men of
2: that uh, writers of that ilk, not men. Robert uh, Heinlein, uh, don't, don't you forget Robert Heinlein? Robert I'm Heinlein sure. is Robert is the Heinle. one that that first started uh, really doing hard science like he is the he is the father of like hard science in terms of making sure that it's accurate in his in his uh stories and my bad well, so yeah Robert um, but
1: yeah those, unless uh, you know when you when you you know, those guys are considered to be the fathers of modern day science fiction. Um how you get how you take iRobot and get what you got with that that dreadful Will Smith movie is just beyond
2: words. Yeah, because it's it's Hollywood. It ain't meant for it ain't meant for people who who kind of are pedestrian, I guess.
1: But I will say this: if you're familiar with Asimov's work, you also know that you're getting that that at some point. You're getting uh, a reference to robots and this is no different in the way that they do it. Bruh. <laughs> oh, man.
0: All right. You, you've sold me. I'm sold. Oh, I'm man. I'm definitely sold. So um, I'm going to be giving me a dummy subscription for three months
1: and you yeah, go man. yeah. yeah. You'll, you'll gun through it and probably watch other stuff.
0: Bet. Bet.
1: Yeah, One man. The three, uh, the three things that I can... That I can recommend without blinking uh, on Apple TV is definitely Lasso, definitely Silo, and definitely this. The the first two uh, Silo, uh, Lasso's done. Um, that's a completed series. Uh, Silo, I think, just uh, they banged through season one. Um, and I think they're getting ready to, and not I think they're getting ready to end season two with uh, Foundation. But foundation is wow. Pleasantly surprised. I, okay. I did not expect it to be as good as it was as it is. So, staying
2: on this uh, on this sci-fi tip, I, I wanted to bring up one more thing because um, I told you guys that I was doing something, and that something was I actually purchased an Xbox Series S, and so oh. that I can play Starfield. I see. I see your look. I. Just just, hear, just, just, hear me out. Hear me out. Listen, listen. I'm within in my <laughs> 60, 90 day where I can return that and get a full refund. So Star- Starfield was free with the game pass. So I'm like, OK, let me check it out. Why not? The audience cannot no, see the look of so,
1: this pain on Cam's face right now.
0: No, wait, and it's wait, not. It's, wait, it's not because he bought an Xbox. It's because I've been trying to get this man on Discord. Yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. I knew that was the look. That was the reason why. Um, and I, I'm not going to say that after this I'm going to sign up because I say that every time and I never do. So I'm just going to put it in my mind at the top of my mind. I got to sign up. For
0: I don't want to press you into this Discord. I'm just saying get on there. So when we get a game that we talk about, we, we can have that channel. You know, what I'm you're saying? right.
2: You're right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's why I want to do it because I also want to do Twitch as well. Um, there's some people doing that that I, I, I I think I want to uh, bump heads with, but um, Star Starfield is actually a really. It starts off kind of similar to all of Bethesda's games. Uh, there is a, it's a, a muted uh, protagonist that is you that you create, name, give them name and look and all that stuff. Um, it's set. It it reminds me a lot of The Expanse. It's set. Um, about, I think, about 200 years from present day, uh, um, uh, the human humanity has basically, um, stretched out into the stars and colonized it so much so that some people, some humans alive don't believe that Earth is actually Earth actually exists or, um, or that we come from Earth, um, which is a concept that I love, but, um, um, When you first start off, as soon as you hit orbit, you have to fight uh, pirates. And so you're literally having to learn how to do how to control the ship, how to fly the ship. It took me a while. I was fighting that dude for a while and he had almost destroyed me because uh, he damaged my shield. But you can route power to other parts of the ship. So like you can take power Ah. from from the life support and route it to the shields that I love because that, as Josh know, that's like Star Trek. uh, uh even, Yeah. Like it's, and so it's, it's a, it's fun. And I'm not a first person fan. So I always switch to third person. Um And it felt like the expanse when I switched to third person, it's like not, or it's not the, what I love about space, the best space stories is when, visually there is no horizon. It's not oriented because it's space. There is no horizon. It's up not, is down. Left is right. right yeah. Is you know, so the camera moved like that. So there were times where I couldn't see the dude. He's like shooting me. So I'm thrusting like trying to catch up with him and I'm forgetting. Oh, this fool is right behind me. So I cut I cut the uh the engine and just literally use the thrusters to like turn the ship upwards and then and then see him like uh, use his engine to, to to try to get further away. So I hit the boost. It's just it allows you to adapt in the middle of the the battle. It's 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 fun, man. I I'm not gonna lie. The little bit that I play as a science fiction fan uh, and a hard science fan specifically, I like the mechanics that that game is working with and. I think, uh, again, it's like, it is, people say it's Skyrim in space. It's, uh, it's, uh, I know how you feel about Skyrim. Um, but it is similar to that, but it's, it gets away with it because again, you're now you're working with space. Like it's not, it's not the medieval high fantasy setting. It's, it's like you being an explorer, being uh, all these different types of things that you, that you usually see these archetypes, these character types, bounty hunter, pirate, outlaw, like things like that, scavenger, minor, like things like that. Uh, and there's obviously a main arc as well. So uh, I don't know if I recommend it, because honestly, other than that game, I still find the Xbox to be so much whacker than the PlayStation. It's, so,
0: it's so let, let me let me let me intervene real quick. Uh, yeah, you know, go ahead. Yeah, yes, getting an Xbox does irk my nerves. However, I think Starfield <laughs> is one of those games that if you were going to buy an Xbox, I think this would be the time to commit. Yeah, I I, I was going to recommend this game to you because I haven't talked to you about games in a minute, but I thought Starfield was right up your alley because it does not only remind me of. Uh, Skyrim, but it reminds me of Red Dead Redemption 2, where mm-hmm. you don't follow the story so much as much as you can get lost in the open world, yeah. quote unquote, doing very nuanced things. I found myself not being able to be Red Dead Redemption because I was looking for bear the perfect bear pellet. It took me three years. Oh yeah, to that game. You know what I'm saying?
2: And I, you I, can I lose yourself mad. in that game. Yeah, yeah like literally.
0: And another reason I thought this was right up the alley is because I just recently seen a clip of how what do you call it when the uh, the shell casings come out the gun? What is that term?
2: Um, bruh, why am I blanking on it? I know it. Uh, well, whatever just, the term is, just called shell casings. Shell yeah, casings yeah, come. Yeah. So
0: the, there's science behind what happens when you're in zero gravity
1: versus mm.
0: gravity pay attention mm-hmm. to how your shell casings go out the the clip the gun mm-hmm. on earth they come out and drop but when you're in yeah. space they kind of float up those yeah. are little details that i think you would 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 uh what's the word uh like for lack of a yeah. better term yeah, you yeah. Yeah. See those little nuances and details and they put that much effort in such a game i yeah. think yeah I do want to play it eventually, but I don't have time. That is a life stealer right now.
2: It is, it is, um, and and that's one of the reasons why. When I started it, I was, I, I haven't, I've started it, played like the first part, and then this happens to me all the time. I stopped, and like I probably will have to find a time. It's probably going to be like around the time where Christmas is, and you are taking, I'm taking. Vacation and all that right. stuff, right? Um, yeah, and then I just take a day, and because when I play, I'm also allowing myself to gain inspiration, because I'm a writer, and so like this, this allows me to open up, to break through that fog of of um, writer's block or whatever, is because especially this, because it, like you said, there's so many nuances. Like one of the things when you go to each planet. Uh, a rule of thumb is to jump to try to see what the gravity is like, because each planet has different gravity, <laughs> and like you could be uh, with a planet with like zero g or like very very low gravity, or a planet that's like super duper, uh, like it's pulling you down, like the gravity is like it's struggle to walk. You know what I mean? Like that's that's um, that's the kind of scientific detail that that makes I think this will probably be like a game of the year candidate or whatever, because it's just that detail with the science and, um, it's projection of where humanity might be 200 years from now. If we're still around, uh, I, um, this reminds me of,
1: uh, the, the long, long ago and the far, far away when I was still playing games, uh, there's a PC game for, uh, Star Trek bridge commander um, that sort of had the same, very, not the same, but very similar, uh, very similar options where like, all right, you're in the middle of a firefight, or you're in the middle of doing whatever the thing is like, you know, not even a firefight. Let's say you're, you, you go into a nebula and the nebula is radioactive. You can reallocate system resource, uh, 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 ship resources. You know, you can, you can boost, you can boost the shields, but if you're going to boost the shields, it means you have to take from warp power you know that sort of thing so you're you're constantly playing this balancing game in addition to uh in addition to being the captain you're also tactical you're also communications you're also uh engineering and so part of that is you are responsible for uh, allocating system resources repair uh damage control teams like it's pretty detailed for a game that came out in like 99, I want to
2: say, it was pretty damn detailed. Um, oh, yeah, that game came out, exactly I think, in like cool. the late 90s or early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. definitely.
0: <laughs> right on, right on. Well, you know, seems like we we are pod about nothing turning into a little something and uh we had a wide, wide range <laughs> of topics that we went from. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um we're gonna end up, end it off here with our final words and uh if anybody does not want to go first I will um well, recent have I Yeah, recently, I I am on the very, 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 very late bus. I just watched Invincible and I was blown away. (laughs) Ah. Okay. Holy Nikes. I think that was one of those
1: things I told you to watch
0: too. I mean, it was on my plate. It's just one of those things that I just, for some reason, kept pushing. Mm -hmm. I didn't have time, games come out, busy with life. I knew it was always there, Yeah, (laughs) always there. I was like, I'm going to eventually watch it. I've been seeing memes, GIFs, clips of it on Twitter, my social media feeds. And I always was like, what, what is this? What does that mean? But I kind of had an idea what was going on Mm -hmm. and I had, I had an idea what the story is about, but I had no idea what the story was about. Yeah, it because is. episode one goes off the rails near the end. And I'm not going to even spoil it. I don't even care how long it's been. I'm not you gonna spoil it. Bro. It's,
2: been it's, it's been it's been like five yeah, or six. Years. Statute that's, limitations. That's no, it's like out? no, 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 like it was what 2018, Josh. So like uh five, yeah, like during five the pandemic, years. maybe. No, it was before the pandemic. Um nope. Actually, no, wait. It was during the pandemic. It was during the pandemic. When the That's, when season 1 it. came, so it had to be 2019 then cuz yeah. I remember watching watching it several years ago and it's and I've been wondering when the next season was going to come cuz it's been a while. Think next year is when they're when they well,
0: I, I, I for one, I am glad I was late because to watch this when it came out and have to wait this long, man, listen. I, all I know is 2021. Okay.
2: So, oh wow! So just three. So just two years. Two, two
0: years. So yeah. I like the boys. I like the boys. Comic sure. even better. This they they man. I don't. This is more graphic than the boys in certain aspects. I agree.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Um, I think as, as, far the, as the, the animation,
0: animation, animation, animation. Oh animation.
2: yeah, 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 definitely. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I would say I um, think the the violence is and the boys is crazy. The violence oh, yeah. in The Boys is a little bit more slapstick versus this, which is a little bit more purposeful. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: uh, and I like it; it's done well. Uh, so. Obviously, there there are parallels between The Boys and Invincible, but uh, everything about this show is awesome. I couldn't trust anybody because everything, everybody had a hidden agenda. Every episode, it was like, "What is going on? Why? What? What?" Like, I thought this was going this way, and it's going another way um and by season i was just like i need more of this and i i I want to i want to apologize for everybody that sent me recommendations for this show and not blowing them off but just saying i'll get to it eventually as long as you did yeah i was tripping invincible is up there it's one of my favorite shows i may even give it a rewatch just make just to see if i miss anything Mm -hmm. um and I definitely gonna read the comic, uh, which I didn't know. You guys can correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't Invincible comics show up in episodes of The Walking Dead because there was like a yes, a friendly yes. relationship? Yes.
2: There was, well, no, because Robert Kirkman wrote Invincible as well. Okay. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's that's the connection. There, there, mm-hmm. and it it happened in like the later season. The only reason I knew is because I went back and skimmed through the last season, literally skipped scenes, mm-hmm. did all kind, of, went from beginning and just saw what happened at the end. Uh, I but it, I saw it, one character had was reading an Invincible comic book, and I was like, "Oh, see, Kirk McShane." I, I think it
1: happened uh, twice uh once further down when i well, after i stopped watching but when i peeked it was uh right after the jail uh where uh where rick is kind of jammed up like he's physically been had the crap beaten out of him um and they leave the, j- oh, yeah. leave the jail and then carl uh, is sitting yeah. on the rooftop eating like i don't know a can of chocolate or a peak whatever pudding it was what? pudding pudding butter <laughs> pudding right and so one of the scene in one of the scenes he discovers a treasure trove of comic books and one yeah, of the comic right. books is an invincible comic.
2: That's right. That's right. And then actually, it's funny you brought that up because years later, it's his sister character who they show when she's reading an invincible comic book. Oh, that's uh, nice. eh, whatever. She shouldn't have lived as long as she did. Well, yeah, that's, <laughs> a
1: whole other, that's a whole other ball of wax. Her, yeah. her is one of the most traumatic things I've ever... Experience
0: reading the comic book. I gotta tell you. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, I was gonna say, Invincible is is definitely was worth my time, and I binged it in like two days. So, kudos. To really? The- wow. Yeah, I've been literally you watched one, that that and that then I watched the rest the next day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's like what eight episodes, right? It's yeah, it's not long. It's not long. It's not long. Yeah. long. It's not yeah. that. I think
0: it's like ten, but it's not. They're not long. It's, it's
2: a work show, Yeah, they're so. they're uh yeah, you can get through those pretty. Yeah. Final word. I, I, I was just gonna say I'll give my final word. Um I just encourage people to pick up a book every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> but no, really, um
0: no, that's that's real.
2: <laughs> no, it is real. I'm serious. Reading is fundamental. Read, it helps your brain, it allows you to stay young. Yep, you know, you slows down early. time, it slows down time. <laughs> Read more. Check out Starfield if you have uh an Xbox. And um, <laughs> I agree. But Starfield is an exception. Yep. Um and check out the writings of Tom Swelterlitz. He's he has proven that he's a pretty good uh good author, good size science fiction if you if you kinda like uh gritty and, and hard science um but with a, a, a very nuanced uh, uh, manner of storytelling, a very mm. nuanced prose. Um, yes, the Gone World I recommend first because I actually read it, and um, I hope to see it one day. Um, I think Apple TV will be perfect for it. Mm. That's a freebie for those listeners. Hey, two Apple TV promotions in one uh, in one episode.
0: Josh.
1: Uh, final word, final word, final word. Um, what D said, read, <laughs> read, um, and also, oh, back to, uh, to our original topic. Um, just experience things outside of your, you know, fear, man, like track and field is a world event. Uh, soccer is, uh, excuse me, football um is a world game like it you you can you'd be surprised what opens up for you if you take just those two things on and really immerse yourself in both sports it opens up a lot of stuff from an international perspective uh just in in engaging those two sports and engage them deep the way that you would engage you know uh, 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 the NBA or the NFL. Engage them deep. Learn players' names. Where they from? You know, you you you'll be shocked at what opens up for you and how much you'll learn. Um, and just you know, don't be don't be, don't be that American. <laughs> don't be that American. Just experience things outside that you know. Learn learn about stuff that's not on your block. Um, and that's yeah. I, th- I think I think I get it there
0: well said well said to all the individuals Um, and alright gang that will wrap it up and this has been another table of truth and we are signing out